You've tuned to the guard frequency. As all good pilots know, when you're out in the deep black, you want to keep one ear on the guard. This is episode 55. It was recorded on January 17th and made available for download January 20th at guardfrequency.com. I'm Jeff. I'm Tony. And I'm Lennon. What do we have this week, Lennon? Well, in this week's Scoop Box, we check in on our modular fighter friend. In CIG News, we bring you everything that's happening around the UEE, including our weekly crowdfunding update, 10 for the Producers, Episode 3, around the Verse 27, and what Jump Point tells us about the first five systems. In this week's Nuggets for Nuggets, we learn about the Gladiator, and finally, we tune into the feedback loop and let you join in on the conversation. We've added a new feature to our website, GuardFrequency.com, a Patreon campaign button. We've got a variety of rewards and backer levels, but essentially, if you know how Kickstarter works, you're most of the way there. Of course, we're happy to share our layer of love with you each week, free of charge. But it's nice to get the occasional concrete reminder that folks out there in the verse love listening to the show as much as we love making it. We thank the folks who have already chipped in, and we hope you consider making a regular contribution. The more support we get, the better show we can make. And that takes care of all the housekeeping, so let's get to the show and see what's coming through the school box. Any of you boys need a carrier around here? Uh, everything's under control. Situation normal. Crypto, crypto, crypto. This is Tony saying welcome to the squawk box, everyone. It's been a few months, so I thought we'd check in with our pet fighter, the Textron Airland Scorpion. I've got uh, pretty good timing, because two days ago it was announced that the second prototype aircraft is under construction. Textron's taking all the lessons uh, learned from the first plane and making some improvements and refinements, including, but not limited to, a de-icing system, a fully movable tail section, improved landing gear, and a single large display for the rear cockpit instead of four smaller displays. And these are all tweaks and twiddles for a plane that is reportedly hitting all of its metrics, including a $3,000 per hour flight cost, $20 million unit cost, 450 knot top speed, 45,000 foot flight ceiling, and, hang on, an 86 knot stall speed. You know, it's not often you brag about how slow your plane can go, but for IDing Cessnas and no-fly zone, there's nothing better. Weapons testing and certification with the FAA to U.S. Air Force standards are slated to occur this year, and as for an actual paying customer for the plane, well, according to Dale Tutt, Chief Engineer and Program Manager, it's not a matter of if, but when. So this plane is pretty much in beta now, then? Yeah, yeah, they've got all their alpha feedback in. They're taking off some parts, putting in other parts, getting the final configuration down. So yeah, it, the the beta the beta test is uh, is happening now. I, I've heard they've had inquiries from Saudi Arabia, from uh, Chechnya. I mean, all over the world, they've they've had uh, inquiries on this plane. Nigeria is one of the leading candidates for it, but unfortunately, apparently, they're under some sort of uh, blacklist for U.S. arms sales. So they're. You know, there's going to have to be some political maneuvering for some of the people that might want this aircraft. But if you are a large country that doesn't need to, you know, take on supersonic missiles and, and fighters, this thing will, you can you can fly it cheaply, you can fly it apparently reliably and get parts for it all over the place. So 
it's got a customer base out there. It's just who's going to pull the trigger first. So naturally, of course, I, being more than qualified to talk about astrophysics, know right. exactly what you mean when you say a fully movable tail section. But just for the folks out there who might not know what it is, what does that mean exactly? Uh, most civilian aircraft are going to have a fixed wing, and then they're going to have a movable part on the back end of that wing to control the airflow. With most fighter planes, the entire wing surface itself is movable so that you get uh, a larger amount of airflow changing direction for a smaller amount of mechanical movement uh, of the internal parts. So if you want to do a large change of vector, you don't have to move the tail quite as much. Ah. And it's not astrophysics, Lennon, but I am more than qualified to talk about aerodynamics. Uh, so maybe that's why you felt like you should ask me, because I know everything about aerodynamics from my intense courses in law school. I wonder if I can buy one. Yeah. Let's take a third of the money that CIG has raised, and let's buy one of our own. They could buy, they could buy three of them. That would be killer. Well, I was thinking that when I won the Mega Millions, you know, that uh, I, I had to spend my money on something. I totally would. If I if I won the $100 million jackpot, this would definitely be on my purchase list. You can keep all the guns. I just want, like, the, the high-resolution sensor pod and probably some extra fuel tanks. So you want to swap out all the uh, all the Class 1 and Class 2s for Class 3s? Yes, yes. I want Whatever, whatever class mount uh, allows me to uh, mount future uh, or further fuel tanks. That's what I want. One of the listeners in our live chat room, who goes by the name of Cyril has uh, just posted this vine of, uh, you know the story that we talked about last week of SpaceX using the recoverable space pods and uh, how the Yugoslavian judge really screwed it out of a, a perfect oh, landing. Yes. Just have a look at the video there of the actual landing and I think the uh, I think the Yugoslavian judge was a little bit lenient in all honesty. Oh, yes, the video, the released video. I wonder how they recovered any pieces from that because it just landed on the deck and shot over the railing over to the side. It's a wonder they got anything back out of that uh, landing. Mm. This is the first time I've actually seen that, and uh, uh, yep, that's an explosion. Maybe they should fire Michael Bay from the staff. Maybe that's their issue. <laughs> well, interesting that you should. Uh, they recently opened up an office in Seattle to hopefully lure Boeing engineers and software developers away from their other companies to come work on this project. Is it? Do they really have to lure? I mean, don't they have to like beat them off with sticks? No, I seriously wouldn't. You wouldn't. Uh, I'm thinking, geez, I can work for a company that publishes Office software, or I can work for somebody that shoots rockets into space. Exactly. I, I can. I can work for for Boeing. I mean, Boeing makes some cool stuff. Let's not, you know, the real life Super Hornet. I mean, they, they make that, and they make the X-37 space plane, and I mean, they got some cool stuff at Boeing. Let's not discredit that. But come on, rockets. Seriously. Have you read, seen, or heard something you think might be interesting to other citizens or civilians? Send an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com. Now let's check out some CIG news. 3175 Port Bay, hands on approach, trigger screen, call the vault. Don't get technical with me. Our crowdfunding update for January 17th, 2015. 45 million pounds, 800... Whoa, uh... Lennon. Uh, $69,557,107, up $500,000 from last week. Pretty uh, stable maneuvering once again. Half a million bucks a week is, uh, is, is, is good from anybody's perspective, I think. 728,000 citizens and practically 600,000 members of the UEE and 9,000 jumping citizens and another 9,000 jump in UEE ships. So, uh, Jeff. Jeff. What? Have you have you seen that there's a Space Pony trial going on until the end of the week? 
Yes, actually, I did see that. Have you have you taken it out for a spin yet? I, I have, actually. Okay, and you're a convert, right? I'm not impressed. Boo. Now, hold on, hold on. You, you did like one thing. Uh, yes, that's true. I did like the visibility uh, that I had in it. See? Literally, see? But but my Aurora can almost give me the exact same visibility. Yeah, but your Aurora doesn't have stupid little legs to land on, does it? Uh, that's no. That's where it wins. That's where it wins? Well, I think he's using that word, you know, really loosely, <laughs> win. I, I guess if I shoot those little legs off, which are the first things usually to go in, in your combat... I guess, what are you going to do? Hover? Well, that's after you shoot his thrusters off, then he can't do that either. Uh-huh. I, I flew the Mustang, too. It's, it's, it's fine. I'm not, I, I'm not pleased with it. I mean, I think it, it's, it's, it's okay. I don't like the, how the weapon groups are poorly mapped right out of the gate. I did like the visibility. I don't like how it, 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 it seems like it's too, it's too skittish. It, it's just, it's, it's just very too, sensitive. It's too slippery. It's very sensitive. And I, yeah. it, I, not a, not a not a fan of it uh, jumping around all over the place, uh, and it really is fragile. It's very very fragile. So I like a little more durability. It's still it's, it'll always be the space pony to me. Although so, but now I have tried it, so now I can knock it uh, if I want. <laughs> and I'm guessing you want. I want. I do. I do. <laughs> I do. Want. I, I'm with. I'm absolutely with Tony with this. I will knock this ship into next millennium just simply for the fact that I think it's poorly designed. Once they finally get it all fixed up, uh, I want to take a couple of Hornets in against four Space Ponies. I, I think that would be a, a fair fight. I think, And I think that would be a, a good demonstration of the capabilities and balances of those fighters should be. All right, so here's the challenge then. If there are three other listeners out there that would like to join me versus you and Jeff and your Hornets, just to see who will win, we'll all be in our Space Ponies, you'll be in your Hornets. We'll see how that plays out. Ah, uh, yeah. I'll, I'll take that. I'll, I'll take that. that. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, for those of you who don't know, uh, in addition to backing the game, Star Citizen, and getting your free trial of a space pony, you can also subscribe monthly. And for subscribing, you get access to a whole catalogue of Star Citizen artwork that will never be seen by the public. You can provide questions uh, for 10... Not never seen, but yeah. seen much later. Well, no, because if you're thinking about the work-in-progress galleries, you get the vault being a subscriber where you get all the design decisions not taken and all that sort of stuff. Oh, well, okay. Yeah, see? I, I stand corrected. You, I stand corrected. You do. And on the Mustang. I will prove you on that yet. <laughs> so the, uh, the catalogue of artwork, that won't be seen by the public. You can provide questions for 10 for the chairman. You get decorative items for your hangar and Jump Point Magazine, which is a lengthy monthly magazine, including updates from the team, in-universe fiction, a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff. And in this month's edition, we are given details of the Helios system, so now we have all the details of the first five systems that will make up the start of the Persistent Universe. Now, normally we don't report on what comes out of Jump Point. We're kind of of the opinion that if you're a subscriber, you should get to have all these little perks kind of kept quietly to yourself. But in the dearth of additional news that's come from CIG this week, we felt we had to dig kind of deep and, and, and go in here. And we, and we knew these planets were coming. That was public knowledge. So we don't think that we're sort of spilling any beans by, by digging into Jump Point. So take it away, Lennon. Alrighty. So, first up, we're getting Arc Corp, otherwise known as Stanton 3. That's obviously the third planet in the Stanton system. It's an impressive city planet that's the closest human equivalent to a Xi'an factory world, producing a lot of the fusion engines for thousands of spacecraft each year. At Arc Corp, you can buy just about anything you like. 
Second is New Prime, the capital city of Terra, the third planet in the Terra system. The twelfth planet colonized by the UEE, it has evolved into a massive trade hub thanks to the jump points leading in and out of the system. New Prime itself is a beautiful bayside megacity where a monorail connects you from the landing site to the city. You know it's futuristic if there's a monorail there. Terra is also home to New Austin, which is the closest thing Terra has to an industrial city. In fact, New Austin is more like a business park and is home to Origin Jumpworks. Thirdly, Delamar. Located in the next asteroid belt, the asteroid belt itself is home to a lot of valuable minerals, but is also a very good place for the unsavory types to hide in, thanks to the nearby nebula. As a result, pirate raids are common, especially in Nix, as the shipping routes to Stanton. Delamar is a planetoid in an asteroid belt and is established by freethinkers during the Messer era and remains a haven to political radicals to this day. Coming in fourth is Borea in the Magnus system. Aside from being the starting place of a certain group of pirates slash consultants, Borea is classified as a near-Earth planet, or Class M for you Star Trek fans out there. It's literally dotted with dozens of centuries-old abandoned UEE naval facilities. Being right on the outskirts of the UEE's reach, some frontiersmen have taken to settling in these regions, whilst others prefer to set up new prefab cities. Thanks to a recent assassination attempt at the planet's capital, Newcastle, all traffic is being redirected to Odissa, formerly a shipbuilding site before the UEE abandoned Magnus. As it's so far out on the outer rims, it's a great place to get the odd illegal part or two. And finally, we have Tangaroa, also known as Helios 2, which is in the Helios system. It's an oceanic world, larger than Earth, but with lower gravity, and it has a super-speedy moon in orbit. The rapid orbit of the moon causes immense tidal effects, making islands rise up out of the ocean, uh, which then get reclaimed by the sea just as rapidly. Being rich in minerals, Tangaroa has permanent settlement, and this is on the polar regions. The North Pole is home to Mariana, also known as Shorebreak by the natives. A rather interesting case study is almost every square metre of the land at the poles is used, and now the city is expanding ever so closer towards the sea. So there we go, the first five locations that are going to be present in the Persistent Universe. And did you guys see in the sneak peek at the end of Around the Verse that was the shot of uh, New Prime, the Terran capital city? It looks gorgeous. One thing this company has done right from day one is sort of sell the visuals on this project. They've really done a very good job of making people think that these places could be real and uh, making it very exciting to even dream about the possibility of, of seeing them on your computer screen. Yeah, absolutely. So out of these five, which one are you most looking forward to playing in? I think I think uh, yeah I think I'm biased towards the Magnus system, uh, <laughs> and that's only for you know the, the show uh, purposes. I think it'll be fun to see the home of our consultants slash pirate people. Yeah, I'm quite looking forward to Delamar in the Nix asteroid belt because I think that's quite a unique location. Places like Arccorp, which are on uh, Stanton Three, it's a city planet. You know, we've kind of seen city planets done before, Star Wars, Coruscant, for example. Sure. We've also seen a lot of footage from Arccorp already as part of the Persistent Test Universe. New Prime, capital of Terra, that's going to be your your typical uh, utopian paradise in the future, isn't it? You know, it's all shiny and pretty, and there's water mm. everywhere and it's, yes. it's all fantastic. Everybody is so happy. The Magnus system, yeah, I was kind of drawn to it again for the for the show reasons, but other than that, it's just kind of out in the middle of nowhere. The oceanic world sounds a little too, I don't know, like everybody's concentrated around the polar regions. It's probably more science-y than anything else, and 
So, yeah, the uh, the Delamar system, uh, located in the next asteroid belt, just sounds quite unique in that the planet is in the asteroid, or the planetoid, is within the asteroid belt, making it quite hard to find in itself. So it's kind of, you know, you've got to do a bit of exploration in order to stumble across this anyway. The latest episode of Around the Verse has been released, the talk show at the end of the verse that brings us everything new and exciting in the world of CIG and lets us get one step closer to the devs making the game. In this week's episode, we learn that the stretch goals for 67, 68, and 69 million dollars are going to get design posts coming very soon. Missile Evasion is being improved in Arena Commander, and Arena Commander 1.01 is going to be coming out soon. It's supposed to be out this week and uh, got pushed. First, we'll come to the public test universe, and we'll address existing bugs and add new weapons. In ship news, the Cutlass and the Avenger are being balanced, and the FPS module Battle Arena continues to be worked on. Mm, the Battle Arena looks fun. Yeah, I mean, it really is an homage to uh, Ender's Game. It, I, that one. <laughs> I think the word yeah. you're looking for is rip-off. I think homage is French for rip-off, isn't it? I don't, it's been a long <laughs> time since I've had French since never, but, but it must be close. It must be a, a close translation. Um, yeah, what I was going to say though is I'm very glad to see that missile evasion is being worked on. I think missiles at the moment are kind of completely out of balance with the rest of the game. You know, they've yeah. went through with the last few patches and they tweaked the, well, you know, at one point the Hornet was massively overpowered, then it was underpowered or not quite where it should be because it was able to be shot at the sky by an Aurora. Then they slowly tweaked it and they got the balance right to the point where the Hornet, which is the game's primary fighter that we've got access to at the moment, Definitely comes out on top in most battles. And missiles, though, they just seem to be, you know, they always started out effectively as one, one-shot one kill buttons. And it does, didn't matter what ship you locked onto, whether it was the little Vandal Hunters or whether it was the little King, the Priest, whatever it was. As soon as you mm. got a, a weapon lock, you hit a missile, bam, they were out of the sky. The last couple of patches, they've obviously tweaked it a bit, and so that the AI is now sensible and dodges them. But as a result, the they're also now able to you know get a bit of time to fire missiles back at you and then your missile evasion just tended to be all over the place because the countermeasures were off the chaff just wasn't picking up the signatures as possible and then speaking of signatures when they introduced the signature system it just seemed to throw missiles out even further again to the point where uh, if you're flying in anything that can't nip in and out of asteroids certainly in my experience then you can pretty much kiss goodbye to any sort of countermeasures that you've got well a couple of things about combat that I would I would really like to see especially when it comes to missiles is first I think your radar needs to be intelligent enough to switch to the missile and make it the focus of the inbound missile because what I would like to know is uh, if I hit my power down button how many seconds does it take for me to completely power down my ship and use it as a tactic for missile evasion and then how many seconds does it take to power back up again I, th- I think that's completely valid because with the signature system you need to know that if you you know, how long does it take to dissipate a signature? If I've got a weapons lock on me, how far away is that missile? Clearly the computer is detected you have a weapons lock. It should be able to pinpoint the missile and track it on your HUD in some way. So oh, that way you that's, can see... Yeah, that's coming. That was actually one of the notes in uh, yeah. Reverse the Verse, I think. Yeah, right. it's actually yeah, that's, yeah. That's slated for 1.01. Oh, is it actually the, the, in 1.01? Because... Uh, I, I slated clearly didn't catch that bit. My apologies. It's slated for that. I mean, and maybe that's one of the things that broke the patch. It wasn't working right. But yeah, that that will be a very nice addition to your radar picture, mm. uh, knowing where where those where that warning is coming from. Because somebody launched off one of your wings, on your six, 
where is that missile coming from so you know where to deploy your countermeasures and then go to uh, so that it's most effective. Yeah, yeah. And hopefully you're, if you do fire chat at you, I'm hoping that there'll be a little bit of a marker or something on the HUD so you can see and then watch the missile disappear. I think that would be quite good. Obviously, the other thing that we've got at the moment in Arena Commander is that missiles are they're effectively free. You know, you can fire missile after missile after missile after missile. And as soon as you reload the game, you get a whole other set and you can just keep going. In the Persistent Universe, the missiles will at least be chargeable. And so uh, maybe that'll also cut down on the amount of like missile spam one-shottiness that's going on as well. Yeah, the economics of it have got to be addressed at some point, And you know, maybe we'll even see the beginning of that with our AC coins. But, you know, we're still testing. The more shots that are fired by a variety of weapons, the more, you know, aggregate data the developers get to balance. They get to uh, test the effectiveness of armor versus shields versus uh, standard hull plating of all these things. And I think that was the problem with the missiles, or continues to be the problem with the missiles. It's not so much that the missiles are overpowered, it's just that they don't register with the hull and the shields correctly uh, what sort of damage they should be taking. So... Uh, hopefully, 1.01, once it's finally mm-hmm. uh, uh, ready to go, hopefully those will fix a lot of those issues. Chris was still absent doing his thing, and so we were given another episode of 10 for their producers. Travis Day, Alex Mayberry, and Darian Volick were our hosts as they answer some of the great questions from the community. A couple of things that caught our attention is confirmation that tablets are going to be available as a second screen to Star Citizen, though not necessarily available at launch. And Krell, a longtime listener of the show, writes in and asks about swapping modules around, especially how it relates to the Cutlass and Travis Day replies. This is something we looked at, especially after the Cutlass gate. Modulus ships are more fun for the community, and you could, I guess, buy or get one variant and then buy or find modular components that may be able to transform into another one in time, and that they are looking at moving all the ships that are sub-capital, but bigger than a single-seat fighter, to that model, where it will have a large interior spaces with form and function. I'm glad they're doing this. This is very good. This is kind of what we had hoped at the beginning. It's kind of what they had said that they would like to move to but it seems like they're sort of making room for it on the schedule and uh, actually starting to do it. This this will make the game much more fun and also reduce probable friction with people who are buying certain variants because they want to do certain missions. Over time, they'll be able to upgrade that variant or change that variant around and push its performance envelope one direction or another. So does this solve your issue that you have with the removal of the hard points? Mostly, yeah. It seems to me, though, that the upgrade slots or whatever they used to be called a long time ago, it seems to me that a larger ship with more interior space should be more customizable, meaning that you should be able to fit more stuff in the middle that pushes your engine performance to the limit at the expense of weapons or your weapons performance at the expense of your shields or your shields at the expense of engines and weapons. Smaller ships ought to not be able to push things very far in one direction or another just because there's not enough internal volume. And having them think about those spaces within the ships in terms of modularity, what can be swapped in and out of those spots, I think that's going to make things more fun for everybody and more, let's say, profitable uh, in the uh, in-game universe sense uh, for microtransactions, whether they're in UEC credits that are generated in the game or dollars that get sold at at the VD store. I never really thought about the microtransaction side of it, but that would be a good way for CRG to be able to earn 
you know, a little bit of additional money. Especially if you consider they've already got the cross-chassis upgrade system in place for ships. So there's no reason why they couldn't necessarily do something like this, but for the modules, especially because, as Travis Day says, you will be able to find one module and be able to transform it into another over time. So maybe you buy, like, a mid-bay version 1, and then you can swap it out rather than it being a, oh, I don't know, a first aid station. It can become a life support unit by doing a module-based cross-chassis upgrade. Right, yeah, it'd be it'd be a lot like uh, you've got the, the the basic equipment, but now you're going to add in some additional gear in there that uh, increases its capabilities. Maybe it's a cross-chassis upgrade like you're saying, Lennon. Maybe it's simply once you collect enough pieces, you can then perform sort of an upgrade in the universe, right? Like a crafting like, you know, system. If, yeah, it's a crafting system kind of a thing. That'd be kind of fun. That would be fun, right? It mm. would be a gameplay. It would enable microtransactions and... It would let people sort of, you know, define their own tasks in in the game world. Well, plus uh, I think give them things I, to do. I think of skills not not so much as you know you craft or you saw lumber planks and then you turn these lumber planks into blocks of wood and then you turn these blocks of wood into a crude table and then you turn that crude table into. I, I think more of it as. Um, Engineering. <laughs> yeah. okay. Well, you could still do that too. I mean, it, you know, there's, they're going to have the concept of you know the, the workbench, right? So you know, if you needed to have certain parts in order to upgrade, you might be able to, as a player, collect enough raw material and then build the special diagnostic unit that then would go into some sort of hopper. And once you collected four of these diagnostic units, you could then upgrade your basic first aid bay into a life support system, like Lennon said. So. I mean, I think, but at the at the bare bottom, at the very at the very base of the system, has to be a modular plug and play room interior system where the the database that's running this whole thing can recognize the fact that I've taken out component X and I replaced it with component X two, and now it has these additional functions. Well, it so, also but, might. So I think it's good they're doing that. And it also might make coming across a wrecked ship or you know doing a salvage operation where you're. Oh, I found oh, yeah. four, four class three scanners, or, or you know, it might make that that uh, ship yes. more valuable to uh, actually salvage. Yes, it would be additional. Yeah, it, that gameplay opens up that direction too, because you can find those bits you need by finding wrecked ships. Yeah, well, a lot of good things come from starting with this design, and it seems I'm scratching my head as to why it wasn't, in, you know in the base design in the first place. We got one of our first sort of extended conversations with uh, Alex Mayberry, and you saw him sort of interacting with two people who are theoretically his junior uh, as far as the production team goes. He's They even called him the executive producer of the game. But Travis Day was the one that sort of was taking the lead on uh, on, on doing the community show. So it's, it seems to me like these guys are all working in a pretty flat environment just trying to get things done. They were passing around the questions off to each other in all a very deferential uh, sort of environment. Uh, and again, they were all deferring to the vision of Chris Roberts as far as uh, making decisions and when things got to, to be released. So it, it was just an interest. I just, rather, the more interesting part of this show to me was not so much the questions they were answering, but more their interaction. A very hierarchy-less. But now it's time for news we didn't use.
Meet the CIG Devs Episode 7. Patrick Salerno, Associate Technical Designer and Gladius fan. I'm a Gladius fan too, huzzah. Fan Spotlight, Audible Lore. It's like nuggets for nuggets all day long. And OP.net Fog of War. Was it murder or a tragic accident? Well, tune in next week to find out. And uh, that's tune in next week to OP.net, not to us. Quite frankly, we don't care. We won't know, really. Honestly. Well, yeah. <laughs> they don't tell us anything. Go ahead and ask it, Lennon. We can, because you we can talk about, yeah, why not? What the hell? Okay, fine, fine. So go ahead and ask it. Go ahead and ask what, Tony? Well, I we should want everyone to know that we're still on top of this. I mean, we are monitoring this situation week to week. Lennon, where the f*** is the first-person shooter module? I don't know, but I really want the battle arena. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Uh, everybody wants to be Ender in Ender's game now. So, Lennon, you, you, had a, you had a rocky week this week. You had some unexpected responsibility thrust upon you. Yeah, I was, I was poisoned last week, and uh, this week I'm, I'm outside of guard frequency and outside of work and outside of the emergency room. I like to help out at a local theatre group, and short version is quite a lot of people decided to quit, and that meant all the responsibility fell on the chairman, who is not me, but he had a heart bypass, and I'm the vice chairman, so there we go, I got to <laughs> deal with all of that, so I have spent my days, ooh, I've, how much, let's think, today alone I've drank three litres of Mountain Dew, which is great fun. Um, oh yes, you must be and... bouncing off the walls. I was earlier, it's now four in the morning, the walls are starting to look quite normal now, uh, a few little dents in them, but otherwise it's good. Um, yeah, so I've not really had time to get up to much, uh, what about you two? I, uh, I had to uh, go to my old school and pretend to be knowledgeable about law and things for a few days, but that, that was a lot of fun, saw some old professors and things, but also no time for shenanigans or game playing for me, so... Jeff, you're our only hope. Please tell us that you had fun and games this week. I'm sorry to disappoint you, but I did not. I spent the week changing out the water pump in my truck. None of us had any fun this week. No. This is our only fun. That is is depressing. That is depressing. Well, we'll just go ahead and get to this week's community question to get off this topic. Should the free ship weekends like the one for the Mustang be open to any registered user, backer or not? Let us know. Send an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com or post on our show thread over at robertspaceindustries.com. And now that we're all caught up on the latest news from around the verse, let's go and learn all about the Gladiator in Nuggets for Nuggets. You have all flown before, but you're about to enter a whole new world, so pay attention. That means get on your feet, Nuggets. This is Brill Haxon live here at the showroom of Alan's Anvils, the exclusive licensed anvil aerospace dealer in the Tri-System area. If you're within live spectrum range of this broadcast, you really ought to swing by the lot here and take a look at some of these deals. With me here today is Shem Allen, General Manager at Allen's Anvils. Good to see you again, Shem. Great to be here, Brill. And also joining us is the retired UBE pilot, Captain Adira Vota. Good afternoon. Shem, I'm looking around the showroom floor here and I can see you have quite a few gladiators on display. Right, Brill, in addition to our unbeatable selection of new gladiators, I've also taken delivery of a number of factory refurbished retired military space frames. You know, Brill, with that six-point shield defense, nothing holds the line like the gladiator. Any ballistics that do get through are stopped by a proprietary titanium polymer and ceramidal foam plating. You can try to take it down, but it won't be easy. Isn't that right, Captain? Even taking fire, my gunner and I were able to loop back around and drop two cat killers dead zero. You couldn't pay me to fly anything else. 
Well, the Navy never did anyway. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, Captain. But Brill, seriously, it's not just safety. It's also about taking the fight back to the aggressor. Every gladiator we sell here at Allen's Anvils comes fully equipped with four hard points for energy or projectile weapons. But depending on your mission needs, our techs can outfit your ship to carry anything from glide bombs for air-to-ground strikes to torpedoes for capital interdiction. Yeah, that's right. I'm just taking a look around this uh, ship here, Sherman. It sounds good, but it's not just all brawn and buff with the Gladiator. It really is a multifaceted ship, isn't it? Oh, absolutely, Shem. You know, if interdiction and air superiority aren't on your shopping list, well, the Gladiator's Ordnance Base can be replaced with cargo pods. That is a free, same-day service if you buy and finance here at Allen's Anvils. And how does she handle? She's easy to fly, right? Oh, Brill, let me tell you about the cockpit of the Gladiator, a highly integrated suite of systems, including radar warning receiver, missile approach warnings, full countermeasures, and electronic support measures. But, you know, all that information is useless if you can't understand it. That's why Anvil did extensive research, including field interviews, to find out what information should be displayed on the redesigned interface. It will match what the human brain can isolate and process, making a fluid and intuitive interface. What do you think of the results, Captain? What the Gladiator gives you is passive situational awareness at long range, in both space and atmo. Release supply drops are a great example of how important that is. On one run, I was atmo, and I wasn't sure if I was going to get battered into the ground. I had zero visibility. None. But the avionics and the flight assist were so good, I never felt out of control. We hit our drops and got back to base without missing a beat. And you know, the quality doesn't stop there. The Gladiator is built from rugged and dependent material. It's also designed for easy diagnostic and fast repair after surviving combat and other harsh conditions. You know, from aft to fore, the Gladiator is designed to survive, fight, and be a long-lasting asset in your squadron or personal hangar. Well, there you have it, folks. If you can hear this broadcast and you're not flying an Anvil Gladiator, change course immediately and come down to Allen's Anvils. For a limited time, every new or used purchase comes with a free Omnisky upgrade. This is Bro Haxon sending you back to the studio. Are you new to the birth and need a bit of advice? Is there a nugget of lore some sit or sieve taught you that we all should know? Let us know by dropping us an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com. But for now, let's tune in the feedback loop and let you join in on the conversation. Okay, buddy, what's on your mind? We're all friendlies! So let's just be friendly! Some say he's the inspiration for the name Thrustmaster, and that if he felt like it, he could fire Donald Trump. But all we know is he's called the Shiv, and he put together this week's feedback. From our show post at GuardFrequency.com, Sean Newboy says, How can you, Jeff, not care where the FPS module is? doesn't matter if the pillars of heaven do not exist. It's not the point. Don't diss my star porn. Wonderful show, everyone. And as for updates, I now get all mine from you guys. This is just a waiting game for me. Which will come first? One of the two games for release or a ship I just cannot do without? My money's on the ship. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, I think my money's on the ship, too. If it's down to, you know, gameplay versus ships, they're going to keep the money faucet cranked open. Ship. Ship. And I still don't care about where the first-person module is. (laughs) From the RSI forum post, Nabotis writes in and says, Thanks for putting the time in. I really enjoyed the show. I think I just found a podcast too frequent. Also, thanks for the nod. You're welcome. That video series was really, really informative and really worth it. Uh, If anybody still hasn't looked at them, go check them out. Oh, they're amazing. So, uh, yeah, he also put a smiley face in there. I don't want to neglect the smiley face. It's a very important part of the feedback. I'm sorry. 
It is. We want is. all of our listeners to be as happy as Nabotis. And again, if people out there in, in the listener land and guard frequency land see things of the quality and the craftsmanship that this guy put into his videos, we have got to get the word out. So send us more stuff uh, like his videos if you see them out there. Just absolutely amazing. Also from the RSI Forum Post, Small Caps writes in and says, Definitely my favorite podcast for Star Citizen. This episode was particularly funny. Thanks. Was it that funny? Did we put a lot of jokes in there? No, I think well, it's because I nearly died. Reel. Oh. Well, that was... Yes, and I was nearly was, dead from, from being sick, too. My wife kept worrying about I had pneumonia or something. It's like, no, I'm fine. I'll be all right. Well, I, there's two factors, I thought. I, I thought 54 was one... Really, actually, in all honesty, one of our best. I really did like 54 yeah. quite a lot. I think that uh, there were two things that made it good. A seven-minute blooper reel, which, <laughs> I mean, really, I think is, is really fantastic. But also... Illness and near death. I think if we combine those three factors, I think we'll have a winning show every Oh, so I got to be so, sick every week. Yeah. Oh, I can do that. Well, no, not necessarily. We can take turns. We oh, can take thank turns. God. Um, I am I'm uh, not being rotate. poisoned next. That's someone else's. Uh, okay. Well, I mean, again, I, I mean, I have small children around here, so maybe one of them could inflict a near fatal injury upon me at some point. You know, criminal charges would be improbable because they're small. So. From Squawk at GuardFrequency.com, we hear from Sayoldi, and he says, Get well soon, Jeff. Lennon, Lennon, Lennon. What kind of person puts coffee cleaning solution in the coffee maker in the morning of all times and walks away from it? Too bad you don't know any lawyers. <clears throat> it sounds to me like you have a liability case in your hands, seeing as he was your boss. He should be fired. I'm very glad you're not dead. Great and very funny show this week. See, Sayoldi, and I mean, you think, again, he's pointing out a very significant part of why 54 was so good. Uh, he goes on to say, I'm sure glad I'm a Patreon so I get such great extra content in all caps, he says. Sound bite for the testimonial, real, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Regarding the question of the week, I think it would be cool if they split the ginormous monthly reports into weekly studio reports, spreading it out for the illusion of more info and more timely update for us fanatics. Well, that that's would, a thought. Yeah, that would be helpful, especially weeks like this week where there is yeah. just not a whole lot going on. Crow, who also appeared in 10 for the producers, he writes in and says, I think CRG has hit on a really good combination of monthly and weekly information dumps, with the occasional special extra update tossed in, e.g. Death of a Spaceman, the economy model, etc. I tend to think of the monthly report in many ways as a sort of their version of the news we didn't use for the weekly updates. The extra updates are honestly what I most look forward to. The deep dive into their thinking behind the design in various areas of the game is really a unique thing among game development. Yeah, and one thing that they did say was in around the verse that they are going to be bringing out a few design posts for the stretch goals that have been missed. So uh, looking oh, forward yes. to getting those. Yeah, those will be very, very well mm-hmm. received when they finally come out. And we'll get three big ones, right? Right? Once for each yes. stretch goal? Right? 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 Right. Better. From the Guard Frequency Facebook page, Daniel Stapleford writes in and says, Sorry that my name gave you such a hard time. From Twitter, First First Problems decoded the hidden message, risking a Jadoon police squad. Our audio engineer, Mikey, put a little bit of a, a mask over my terrible singing, and uh, but he, he uncovered the hash that we used to uh, obscure it, and he's, he uh, put in there a mashup of my voice and I think Lennon's too, to the tune of Call Me Maybe, uh, and put it out there, and lead moderator Will at uh, CIG said, This is glorious. Listen to the blooper reel this week, guys. We'll have it at the end of the blooper reel. Ken from Chicago writes in and says, uh, Lennon Rich, hashtag not your fault. You're British. How are you supposed to know how a coffee maker works? It lacks a proper whistle. Hey, hey. Hashtag harumph. 
Phoenix, quote, that they listen to guard frequency on the base. And Permanent Starlight says, for reports, monthly is great, but the main studios could pare down the more in line with Elphonic's length. Don't need essays. Eh, They can keep it as long as they want, as long as they do it every month. Foxtrot DK says, yay, I get a sticker. Dances. More on stickers in a bit. And Rogue Force says, I'm actually liking the feel of the Mustang. Hashtag God help me. Yes, because no no. no one else will. Here you go. Here you go. Rogue Force. High five. Yeah. Oh, God. It's going to be a Mustang love fest. Well, Lennon just found one of his wingmen. Yeah, I was just thinking, I've got a wingamanga just right there. He's going to be able to come <laughs> along, and we're going to so beat your ass. From Reddit.com, we just want to say thanks to Kaiser Solo for cross-posting our show onto the Star Citizen Reddit. From our amazing donors of monetary goodness, latest patron, Patrick. He became a patron while this show was being recorded. Woohoo! Woohoo! Well Yay! Random.org shows Magni as the winner. Your sticker is on its way. To be in with a chance to win a coveted Guard Frequency sticker, click the giant P on the Guard Frequency page and become a patron today. And just a reminder of this week's community question, should the free ship weekends be open to any registered citizen, whether they're a backer or not? Let us know. Send an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com or post on our show's thread over on Robert Space Industries' fansite subforum. So how was the show? Did it make you want to ride a Mustang into the sunset, or does the space pony need to take a one-way trip to the glue factory? Glue factory! Either way, let us know. Here are some ways you can get in touch with us. Check out our forum post at forums.robertspaceindustries.com. Glue factory! You can leave a comment on this You can leave a comment on this episode show notes at guardfrequency.com. You can subscribe to us at feeds.guardfrequency.com, or just find us on iTunes. You can hit us up on Twitter at GuardFreak. Start an argument on our Reddit at guardfreak.reddit.com. And leave a comment and like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash guardfreak. And if you're old school like us, shoot an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com. Your feedback is an important part of what we do, so take a minute, tell us what's on your mind. That brings us to the end of episode 55 of Guard Frequency. We'll be back with episode 56 on January 27th. So be sure to keep an eye out for our shows over at guardfrequency.com or the official Robert Space Industries fan site subforms. Please send us your feedback about the show. Aside from all the ways that we just ran down, you can also use the contact form on our website. And all the details for all the ways you can get in touch with us can be found in the show notes. Do you like what we do? Want to come and help us make the best damn space sim podcast ever? If so, just send a note to squawk at guardfrequency.com. And if you can't get enough spaceship podcasting, why not check out our sister production, Priority One? They cover Star Trek Online and the greater Star Trek universe. Just go to PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'll tell you why you shouldn't check them out. That's because we are clearly better. Star Citizen is the better game. So if you're out there looking for a friendly wingman or two, then you should check out our organization, Guard Frequency Response, at the official RSI website, robertspaceindustries.com, slash orgs, slash guardfreak. And if you're not doing anything on Saturday nights, then you should really come and join us live over at guardfrequency.com for slash live we start recording around 8 30 p.m central that's sundays at 2 30 a.m gmt we'd like to thank the entire team at guard frequency and the priority one network thanks to our community manager justin chivalry bean Lowmaster, our artist simon charlton edwards and our assistant audio engineers michael duncan and skippy thanks to our syndication partner the bass and special thanks to ronald jenkins for his permission to use his music in our show visit ronaldjenkins.com for more of his work including his newest release alphanumeric but above all we especially want to thank you folks for tuning in if no one's listening out there the deep black gets pretty lonely reduce thrust squawk seven seven zero zero 
If you're within live, if you're within live spectrum range of this broadcast, you there. Oh, Brill, let me tell you about the clock pit. The clock pit. This I'm just because I call you the clock Nazi. Even coveted guard frequency sticker. Coveted. Coveted. Okay. Coveted. To be a chest. Oh my. Ah. Uh. Beep beep. To be in with a chance to win a co. Oh God. <laughs> Uh, so to be sure to check keep blah 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 this is tony what are we doing squawk box sync one <laughs> this is london and we're definitely doing squawk box sync two this is jeff and i always knew we were doing squawk box sync three and doing what you guys knew we were always doing but i forgot about in three two is it do they really have to lure i mean don't they have to like beat them off with sticks <laughs> beat them off <laughs> And in this month, <clears throat> and in this month's edition of Jump Point, it's confirmed that the first five locations, sorry, and in this month's edition of Junk Point, Junk Point, wow, Junk Point, oh, this is going nice. great, mm, going well. Oh, and I have, a, I have just a short comment after you finally get the sentence read correctly too. So just it, take it, it won't happen. Just, just you know, you might need to sleep <laughs> on it. <laughs> there probably won't be buggers. And Harrison Ford probably isn't showing up. So I think that takes it from ripoff to homage. Well, I, I don't know. I wouldn't put it past Harrison Ford to suddenly show up. <laughs> he's been in all the other good stuff. He's Indiana mm. Jones. He's uh, he's Deckard. He's Han Solo. Why not? He's the colonel guy in Ender's Game. Why not somebody in, in Star Citizen? Yeah, he's had a part. They've got the budget those, for it. Yeah, he's had a part keep in talking most sci-fi production right so back. far. Okay, no worries. Yeah, he's had a part in most sci-fi productions so far. So I can't imagine that he'd want to skip out on... You know, possibly being in Star Citizen as well. No, no, I know. Especially if the money's right. And the money yeah. would be right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's yeah. plenty of it. They could buy when, three Scorpion fighters. They could certainly rent one Harrison Ford. That, that is true. Are we going to use Harrison Ford's as a unit of currency now? We should. It, it should be the new metric imperial. Uh, the new metric <laughs> Metric imperial Harrison Ford. Yeah, metric imperial. <laughs> it should be the new metric uh, measurement of currency. How many Harrison Fords would it take to build this aircraft carrier? Three. Because you're the you're the clock Nazi. You can do what you want. That is true. And just for clarification, that was clock Nazi, yeah? What did I say? Clog Nazi? You could no, be the clog Nazi, too. Yeah, why not? I'll go with that. I had a pair of uh, inflatable shoes from Denmark, and it was all going well until I popped my clogs. Mm-hmm. How many Harrison Fords would it take to build such a uh, magnificent piece of architecture? I don't know. Are we many using Harrison the Harrison Ford, Ford reference again? Well, I mean, it's, it's the new unit of currency. It's it's the metric uh, unit of currency. Okay. Harris, how many Harrison Fords would it take to to build such a thing? How many Harrison Fords would it take to change a light bulb? I think it would be like one, like a fractional Harrison Ford. It doesn't seem like you'd need many Harrison Fords to do that. Uh, Harrison well, Ford's change... hair. That that. <laughs> could... Oh yeah. As long as you can change the light bulb in under twelve parsecs. Greetings, citizens. This is Ben Sanders of First First Problems, and while stalking the hosts of Guard Frequency the other night, my Herald and I happened to detect an incoming transmission from their episode 54. It's funny that their assistant audio engineer 
had encoded it with the password that Chivalry Bean is my hero. So without further ado, I would like to give you guys this. Hey, I'm just meant you. This is crazy. But here's my frequency. Or maybe it's hard to look right. You, baby. But here's my frequency. Maybe I have just meant you. This is crazy. But here's my frequency. Maybe it's hard to look right. You, baby. But here's my frequency. Maybe 